0: welcome to the girl code podcast with me diniko simbine where i'll be talking to influential girls and women in tech within the african context girl code is a non-profit organization aimed at empowering young girls and women through tech and joining me today i have vanessa roth Vanessa Roth is a dynamic international keynote speaker who promises to keep you perched on the edge of your seat. Her specialty lies in presenting about tech sourcing, but she is, just, she is just as passionate about women in tech and online branding. Vanessa has been described as a guru in the tech sourcing space in South Africa and is definitely the go-to talent specialist in this space. Welcome, Vanessa. Vanessa.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I think what you guys do is absolutely amazing. I love Girl Code, and um, I'm happy to help where I can.
0: Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, Can you please just share with us as to how you got into recruitment, and particularly tech recruitment?
1: (laughs) It's a funny story, because no one as a six-year-old goes to their mom and turns around and says, uh, I wanna be a recruiter one day when I'm big, right? Everyone wants to be <laughs> yeah. a fireman or a teacher. So, so basically, no one chooses recruitment. You fall into mm-hmm. recruitment and mm-hmm. most recruiters will tell you that. So what I pretty much um, did was, I'd, I had quite an interesting life. I'm actually a qualified teacher. I taught oh, wow. in the UK for eight years. And then after my eight years were up, I went and lived in Thailand and I trained as a scuba diving instructor. <laughs> and then I basically traveled around the world for two or three years just being a bit of a dive bum and ended up in Kenya. And um, eventually decided it was time to come home. And then I went to a recruitment agency to apply for a job to do like adult education or training or something along those lines. And they said to me, why don't you try recruitment? And I was like, well, what is recruitment? You know, I've never heard of it. What does it entail? (laughs) And the next week I started and the rest is kind of history. So I did uh, two years in agency recruitment and then I did nine years in internal tech recruitment, which is how I kind of fell into the tech side. So I worked for a company that's now called Ultron Carabiner and they are in the Microsoft application space and I recruited for them for nine years. And I literally just launched my own business. I turned a year old last week on the... 1st of April. Congratulations
0: April, on that. Well Thanks, done. Man.
1: Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's been a great journey over the last year. So what I do now is I train recruiters to recruit better and to service, you know, your community better, yes. find tech talent. And then I still do global sourcing myself. So I'm still involved in moving talent globally all around the world and finding the best people and either getting them to stay where they are in country and work remotely or to relocate to other cities.
0: Wow, that's awesome! So you went from teacher to scuba diver
1: <laughs> to recruitment <laughs> yeah, to, to beach bum, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much. Uh, you know, you've got to try everything and life once, right?
0: No, hundred percent. And it's always insightful <laughs> hearing about um someone's journey and the challenges that they faced. You know, it helps yeah. you realize all- that. <laughs> If mm-hmm. you look at
1: all my, my whole journey, and this is what I always say to people, is it's always been people-focused. So right. I've always had a common thread of people. So I think that there's a lot of learnings that you could have done in any of those roles to help me do what I do now.
0: No, definitely, definitely. With all the interactions, now I couldn't agree more. And now I'd, I'd like to divulge into the technical um, stuff. Um, okay. So when it comes to preparing for an interview, you know, mm-hmm. that this is a very crucial um, part of the interview of the recruitment process and mm-hmm. usually a very scary moment for your first yeah. time around. And can you please just share some interview etiquette tips for our goal coders?
1: Well, let, let's start where you started the question with is when you know that you're going for an interview, because what yeah. you've got to do is before we even get into the interview and we start talking about etiquette, I've got to talk to you about research. Mm. So before you go for an interview, you have to do your research on the company. So you need to understand, you know, what is the company structured like? Um, are there subsidiaries? Which brand are you going to be interviewed for? Um, you know, have you been given a role description for the role? Have you studied that? Have you got experience in any of the uh, duties or responsibilities that are going to be required of you? Um, Is the company a listed company? How well are they doing? You know, could you manage to, if they're a JC listed company, you can look at their financials online. So there's lots and lots of research you can do, even down to the people that you are meeting with. So you need to ask the recruiter, who are you meeting with? Then check out, you know, who you're meeting with. Look at their LinkedIn profile. See what you can find out about them. You don't have to tell them in the interview that you stalk them on LinkedIn, but just get a feel of, you know, what the person is like. Look at them on, on other platforms. You know, you might have been at the same conference as them or the same community night. You can share with them that, you know, you saw them present at this occasion. You thought it was very good, et cetera, et cetera. But it just kind of breaks the ice and it shows that you are interested and there's a passion for, for what you do. No, yeah. And so also, for me, your research is so important before you even step in the door to do the interview. Yes. Okay.
0: But it, it can also be, definitely motivate you
1: even more. Absolutely,
0: And help. you. Yeah. Be and more also, calm.
1: yeah, yeah. More calm because you're going to have more confidence because Correct. you know about the company, you're not going to yeah. be thrown off track. And then actually in the interview. So one of my pet hates is when people come in and I can see that they're nervous and that's fine. But by all means, when you shake my hand, I don't care if you're male, female, or other, give me a firm handshake and look me in the eyes. I know that it does mm. come down to like a cultural thing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, this, this is something which you taught you shouldn't be doing, but you should, because in the business world, that is the way and that's what we're expecting. So give a good handshake, look the person in the eye, and straight away you start exuding confidence. Yes.
0: No, definitely. Definitely. I agree. It just, it's just that, you know, when you are raise to believe that it's disrespectful to look your, you know, people in the eye, it's just, yeah, the whole cultural. Absolutely.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I get it. And, I, and I've spoken to this to a lot of my black friends and all of those things, but it's really something that you need to get over when you're going for an interview because it just shows that it's, it just resonates so much around like the confidence and, you know, you, you're making a connection with the person by looking them in the eye. A lot of, you know, say for example, let's call a spade a spade. You know, in the white culture, if you don't look someone in the eye when you're talking to them or you're shaking their hand, it's taken as like a disrespect. You don't really care. Yeah. We I know in your culture, it's slightly different. So just something to remember, depending on who you're meeting with. I mean, I know if I shake hands with a person of color, I'll always give a traditional African handshake. Yes, no definitely. Because I also want to put I want to put people at ease, you know, but not everyone's gonna do that. So I think we're all learning, hey? South Africa, it's an interesting place. No, definitely. I mean
0: the diversity is what makes us so great. And also it's, it also helps to have these kind of conversations because these kind of tips, it's not something you would necessarily learn in varsity. No one's going to tell you that. No, you know what I'm saying? No, it, takes so, some, it takes
1: someone as honest and as straightforward as me to tell you
0: this 100%, which is why we're so excited to be doing this today,
1: <laughs> but, no, I, so. but I really do, do recommend it. And then let's, let's talk about now. So you've arrived for the interview, you know, you uh-huh. obviously look smart. Um, for the interview, which is great. I don't have any problems. I've never had anyone come, you know, who's been underdressed. Um, I think, you know, that uh, students know how to dress these days. Those those days of not dressing correctly are gone. Yeah. You've given a firm handshake. You've looked somebody in the eye and now you're going to start the interview. So it's always good to have a copy of your CV with you, just to have in front of you, okay. because they're going to have a copy of your CV. Yes. So it's always good so, so that if they ask a question, you can quickly just have a look and say, you know, refer to it or another thing which they're probably going to ask is they're going to ask, are you, would you like something to drink? Okay. Now this Mm. is not the time to ask for a cappuccino. Okay. The reason behind this is because, um, or anything that's a hot drink, you first of all, don't want to knock it over. You don't want to spill it. Okay. And you also don't know how long the interview is going to be. Now, I don't know about you guys, but it can sometimes take me up to a full half an hour to drink a drink if it's really hot. Okay. So always ask for a glass of water. You must have something in front of you because if you ask a difficult question, it always buys you a bit of time. If you want to think about your answer, which is always a good idea. So take a sip of water. Okay. Swallow, think about your answer Uh and then go back to them with a really good answer. So you must have a drink. Just don't order a warm drink. Okay. Now that's a very useful tip. Because there's enough, there's yeah. there's nothing more awkward than the interviews finished because at a grad level, the interviews can be pretty quick and you're yeah. done in 15 minutes yet. You've got a hot cup of coffee in front of you and you're like, Oh shit. Okay. Do I leave now? Do I take my coffee with me? <laughs> what do I this is awkward. To do?
0: Yeah, yes. With the yeah. water you could have taken yeah.
1: gradually during the mm.
0: 15 minute conversation.
1: And always when you finish the interview, even if you've got a water, you can pick it up and walk out with it more easily than you can with like a tea. cup of coffee Yeah, or tea or whatever it may be hundred percent, hundred percent. I've never actually thought
0: about the whole accepting a drink <laughs> um, during an interview. I'm usually just way too nervous to even mm. think of that. Yeah. So just, just some other things to help to just get out.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. One thing yeah. you must do is when you get into the office is go to the bathroom. Because there's nothing worse than needing the bathroom during an interview, especially when you can't concentrate. I know what it's like. You can't concentrate because you need to go to the bathroom, and then you can't because you haven't been. So first thing you must do is go to the bathroom. Another thing about the interview is don't arrive too early. So if your interview is at hopper's 2 in the afternoon, like this Mm -hmm. meeting is, don't arrive at hopper's 1 thinking they're going to think more of you. Okay. Okay. What you're going to do is you're Mm -hmm. actually going to throw out people's diaries because people are busy and they're probably in back-to-back meetings. So my best advice yeah. is to arrive at the reception with 15 minutes to go, in between 20 and 15 minutes. So if I had an interview at half past two, I would arrive yes. at 10 past two, and I would say to the receptionist, look, hi, You know, my name's Vanessa, I'm here for an interview. I know I'm early, um, my interview's only at half past two. And then the receptionist will normally know. She'll know, she'll say, okay, well, they're in another meeting now, um i'll wait or okay no well they said if you arrived early then they, they can start early so let me get in touch with them so yeah leave it in their hands but don't arrive overly early all right so 15 to 20 minutes is the cap yeah 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 okay no that's that's interesting because
0: we are under the impression that the earlier you are the better <laughs> and, you know. yeah i
1: noticed i've, I've been yes. through this before <laughs> <No. I'll, laughs> yeah. even
0: from personal but you know what
1: it, so. Yeah, yeah, it's personal experience. But it's but it's um you know what I don't mind, but I understand. Again, I've taken the time to get to understand your culture and you know and and I just ask people, like your interviews are ten, it's now half past eight, why are you here? Mm. So I've (laughs) I've had those those kind of conversations with people and um you know rather not because people have very much a structured day with set meetings and you don't want to be the one to throw out the entire day.
0: Definitely, definitely. And also, I mean if they know that you're there they're not necessarily just going to keep you waiting for like two hours. No, 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 no. And, and yeah. I would
1: like to think that they would it to be yeah. honest, because that's rude. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. And then when it comes to feedback, um, why is it not deemed like a standard practice for recruiters to give feedback? Because we find that a lot of our, a lot of candidates would like to know which areas that they could possibly improve on and not possibly make the same mistakes for future um, interviews. Absolutely. And
1: you know what? I totally get that. I completely and utterly understand. Hmm. Um, For me, at what point of the interview process do you find, though, that you're not getting feedback? Because, like, for example, uh, an advert goes up for a learnership or um, grad role or whatever, bearing in mind that the recruiters, they are going to get something like 3,000 applications in this country. Yes. Now, they will normally have a disclaimer on the advert saying, if we don't get back to you, consider yourself unsuccessful, or if we don't get back to you in three weeks, consider yourself unsuccessful. Okay. Correct. Now, at that point, I understand if you don't get individual feedback. Now, I agree with you. If you've been for the interview, if you've been through the assessments and you still don't get feedback, that is terrible. That is really not acceptable and you are well within your rights to keep emailing, phoning, SMSing the recruiter to say, look, please might have some feedback, good or bad. Um, You know, especially if it's bad. I mean, I always feel that you want to tell someone how they can improve for next time. It's a, it's an important part of life. It's an important part of, you know, growing in your career. So my advice with that is that, so I train recruiters all the time. I promise you, um, I, I speak to them about being personable, about getting back to people, about putting yourself in your candidate shoes, et cetera, et cetera, all the time. I really do. Um, so I'm hoping that things will get better there. But if you've taken the time to get there for an interview, have the interview in there, and they don't get back to you within a week or two, yeah. you are more, within, with, more than within your rights to actually go and follow up with them.
0: Oh, okay. So you are able to actually contact them and ask them.
1: Absolutely. Why not?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you mustn't. um, No, you you mustn't hang out. Yeah.
1: That that it's actually possible. Um, You you have taken the time to go all the way there. You've paid for the taxi money. You've organized the lift. You've been through the interview. It's your right.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. Wow. Okay. Now that's a pretty
1: interesting
0: one. No, because that yeah, would help a lot because now you're just absolutely. left in the dark. You don't know, okay, so what, am I, what are the next steps? And then you're going to the next one, it's same
1: behavior. Yeah. And then, you know, you don't get anywhere. Absolutely. No, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it's one of my pet hates. And I think it's also, you know, plays a large part about how the recruitment industry had, has developed quite a bad name for itself. And um, I think it's something that we need to get better at. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I
0: agree there. But it helps that um, we actually are well within our rights to actually. Operate. Absolutely. Yes. No, that, I mean, that's great. And um, within Girl Code, we have, we have a lot of unemployed IT graduates. And yet mm-hmm. we see that a lot of tech companies are complaining that there isn't talent out there. And we have seen that there is talent, especially when we're hosting our annual hackathons. So what do you mm-hmm.
1: think exactly is the missing link? sure you know what i think it is i think it's miscommunication i think that mm-hmm. and, and, okay so let's look at it from both sides i think that clients it's very easy for all companies to turn around and say that there's no talent here and they can't find anyone yep. but i don't think that they're looking in the right places if you've okay. got a lot of people who are part of girl code and they are unemployed you need to be partnering with more companies to say this is what we've got You need to be developing portfolios or one-page profiles of the people who are sitting, waiting for work that you can share with your companies. Yes. Because the more exposure that you have, and then down to the people who are saying that, you know, I'm looking for a job. What are you doing about that? What do your online profiles look like? You know, are you on LinkedIn? Do you have a GitHub account? Are you on Stack Overflow? What is your presence like on these? Are you spending times like this when we're all in lockdown um, trying to connect with IT recruiters on LinkedIn? A hundred You know, there's a lot of activities that, that, that people could be doing. And I think that there's, there's, there's uh, good and bad on both sides. So for me, it's down to the individual to stand out more. Are you writing a blog? You know, are you sharing with other people? Yes. Um, you know, how are you giving back? How are you standing out from other people on social media? Because that's how you're going to be noticed, right?
0: Hundred percent. So basically, you can leverage off your social media,
1: and focus more Absolutely. on.
0: But on LinkedIn that because advice. that's the
1: yes. That's your professional network, and then you want to be connecting with people who are IT cr- recruiters in that space. Send them your CV. Tell them that you're available. You know, share articles, comment on posts, get active. Yes. No. Don't I, be shy. This is not the time to be a retiring wallflower. <laughs> Go
0: out there and get get what's yours, yes. I couldn't agree more. Exactly, with both hands. Especially with platforms like LinkedIn, where you have access to so many professionals who could help you actually get a job, especially in this space. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Go go and comment on whoever's saying that there's no talent in South Africa. Put your hand up and say, hey, I'm here. I'm talented. Look at me. You know, but people don't do that because you don't always want to push yourself and put yourself um, forward like that. But you have to because no one else is going to do it for you.
0: Yes, I I agree. However, what um, I would pick up is that um, most people are actually quite scared to post on social media because they're afraid that they'll be judged.
1: That's a chance that you take. But I mean, what are you post? What are you thinking of posting that you're going to be judged so badly? I mean, if you're posting that you're available for work, and these are your coding languages. I mean, what's wrong with that? I think we need to kind of get a little bit braver on social Mm -hmm. media. We need to put ourselves forward because at the moment, no one knows that you're looking look how much um, interaction someone gets when they I mean it's happened a couple of times there's like someone standing on a street corner with a billboard saying I'm a um, electrical engineer these are my qualifications I'm looking for work and that is just shared all over the place you know yes and I think that those people are really putting themselves out there and they're really serious about finding a job if you're sitting there complaining that you can't find a job but you you're not blogging you're not active on LinkedIn, you're not connecting with recruiters. And I know it can sometimes come down to shyness, but it's the new South Africa now. You know, we don't want to be sitting in the back row waiting for someone to find us. If you don't put yourself out there, it doesn't matter what your race is, what your gender is. And think about it. Companies want black female coders. That is very that true. Yes. And and the problem is is that black female coders are still almost being too shy, too respectful you know, to, oh, I can't do that. But you know what? If you do, it's going to make a hell of a difference.
0: No, definitely. Especially since there's such a huge um, shortage of black female professionals.
1: Exactly, exactly. But but, but, you know why there's a shortage? Because we don't know about you. Sure, we know about organizations like Girl Code, but we don't know about individuals who are making themselves stand out. And I encourage anyone listening to this podcast, you are more than welcome to find me on LinkedIn. My name is Vanessa Rath. My LinkedIn is um, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Vanessa Roth. Find me, link up with me. I'm probably not going to be able to help you find a job, if I'm honest, because I'm not doing any local recruitment. But what yep. you can do is you can watch the way that I behave on LinkedIn and how active I am on the platform. And I encourage you to try and be, you know, as active as I am.
0: No, definitely. Um, in the same token, um, should people um censor what they post, like for instance taking part in like political conversations and
1: absolutely, but LinkedIn's yeah. not a place for political conversations. But yes, you know what's no, happening? Like your Twitter. <laughs> yes. As I was about to say, watch your Twitter. So Twitter's yeah. Twitter thinks that everyone whatever you put on Twitter, no no one will see. But I'm telling you now, even as graduates, people are checking out your online presence. So that means they're going to check you out on your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram. And it's not like you can turn around and say, no, you're not allowed to because um, those are my personal platforms. Those days are gone. Okay. So first of all, don't just now think, okay, I'm going to be a smarty pants and I'm going to lock down all of my profiles because that's worse. So let me paint a picture here. So if I'm doing a big grad recruitment drive and I go and look at someone's online profiles and they're heavily, heavily locked down, I'm not going to even get in touch with the person. And the reason I'm not going to get in touch with the person is because I want to know what they are hiding. Hiding, yes. So I'm not interested. I don't have the time to find out what you're hiding. I don't, I don't even, uh, but the sad situation in this is that you're never going to know that because I don't mm. have the time to pick up the phone and say, you. I'm not choosing you because of your social media lockdowns or I'm not choosing you because I saw on social media, on Twitter, you posted something that was very political. It's not going to work in our company Um, so I'm just not going to choose you. And that is a massive reason why people aren't being selected for jobs these days, because they think those are their personal accounts. No one can look at them. And when I have conversations with young people around this, they turn around and say, but, but how can you do that? How can you look at our personal pros? They're personal. You know what? I want to make the right hire. You can think what you want. I'm telling you how to behave. What's more important, putting out political statements and looking cool in front of your, your peers or finding a job? You decide.
0: Yes, and the job isn't just about your technical skills you know, holistically. Of course You can be a great person yeah. as well. I mean, to fit into a team even. You know, yeah, ethics you don't play a very huge role.
1: Mm. Absolutely. You don't want to also hire someone who's going to rock the boat. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that that, cause, that actually causes you more hassle than anything else. So I'd rather not take a chance on someone who's very political, who posts yeah. inappropriate photos, who talks about, you know, activities they did, you know, the night before, which I, I don't think would be a, a good reflection, you know, if they were doing that in
0: company time, you know? A hundred percent, especially even now on social media, how it's, it becomes very clear where you work, who you work for. So they, whatever they post in, in, a, in, a, in a sense, they're kind of like a mouthpiece for the company as well, even though they're doing it at their own personal capacity, but mm-hmm. can mm-hmm.
1: be viewed in a certain way. By people. Absolutely. And and you know yeah. what? Why take that risk? Exactly. Yeah. That, that, that for me is the big thing is, you know, why take that risk? Like for me, my rule of thumb is, if you were thinking of posting something, okay, don't post anything that you wouldn't put on a billboard on the M1. Okay, that's very, very important. <laughs> and in the same one. breath, don't, don't post anything that you wouldn't tell your mother.
0: No, 100%, yes, because you'd never be disrespectful or derogatory towards
1: her. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and, that's, and that's the important side. Of, you know, the, the most important thing there is because too many people just think, oh, heat to the moment, I'm going to do it. And then you sit at home wondering why, you know, you're not getting a job. And it's because no one's going to phone and tell you it's because of one tweet that you posted six months ago that got a lot of traction and got a lot of attention, but it didn't put you in a good light exactly and it would be so
0: disappointing to know that you've lost out on a great opportunity just because of one sentence exactly
1: but you probably you know what the problem is is that you're actually never going to know
0: yes that's the sad part
1: yeah yeah and mm-hmm. i see it happening all the time and i've been yeah. there and i've done and, I, and i've done that so you've got to just be careful yeah no i'm,
0: I'm in agreement with that and then i've got one very <laughs> tricky topic and um, the salary Good. negotiations, <laughs> when is the best time to um, negotiate for a salary? Is it in the beginning or, if, or after a few months, once you've shown some sort of value?
1: So for me, um, definitely not. If you are going and you're applying for a graduate position and the salary is that everybody who joins is getting like the same stipend in the organization that is not the time to start negotiating <laughs> yes, your salary. Right. That really, that, that is like, take it or leave it. You know, there's probably, for every time someone declines, there's four people waiting to take that, that learnership. And you also don't want to be that, that, uh, you know, grad who starts and then is already on the back foot because like, oh, she's the one who or, who argued about salary. So especially not if you're joining a learnership or an internship, because those salaries are set. There's nothing you can do there. Mm-hmm. Now, after you've been there for a year and maybe you know, you're a permanent member of staff and you've proven yourself and you've got concrete evidence. So you can sit with your manager and you can say, okay, well, if it's a consulting environment or something, you can say, well, you put me on this project. I did 20 hours a week. This is the value that I added, etc., etc.' et, cetera, et cetera. So you can prove that you've added value and you may have, you know, saved the company some money. Right. Um, or if you, you know, working at maybe like a standard bank or something like that, one of the banks, and then you can say, um, okay, well, it's now my annual review and let's this discussion. Go with hard and fast things that you've done where you feel that you have saved the, the company money.
0: Okay, so it would also help, for instance, for people who work with projects and work on projects. Yep. let say you managed to save, on, save up on budget, for instance, or your project was completed in record time. So those yeah, kind of things, yeah. you, would you recommend? Absolutely,
1: your, but also yeah. say that, you know, there was no scope creep. Um, you know, you went and you worked a, a, a couple of extra weekends, um, yes. et etc. et cetera. You know, I think that that's also important because you've got to remember these things because there's nothing worse than walking into your annual regru- uh, review. And then what actually happens is that um, you've forgotten all of the great things you did throughout the year. So you almost need to have like a running list on your your laptop saved of what you did that really f- you feel was a great achievement
0: oh yes so that okay so that you're able to list everything when it's time mm-hmm. for your annual review okay no that's that's fantastic and um, that does make um a lot of sense and then in closing vanessa um what's your number one tip for someone who's listening right now and is struggling to get a job
1: Guys, start taking it to social media, you know, and when I talk about social media here, I'm talking about tidy up your Facebook, your Twitter, and your Instagram feed. Don't lock them down, okay? That causes more suspicion, but just check and see what you're putting out there. You know, it's very easy. Go to Google, put your name in inverted commas, and run a search, okay? And then start standing out from other people on LinkedIn, so you don't really even need to be blogging these days, but you can be sharing articles. Remember to curate the articles. You know, it's, it's hard when you're sitting at home and you can't find a job. Share some thoughts around that, you know. Post about it on LinkedIn. Don't be all doom and gloom. You know, negativity doesn't, doesn't attract people to you. But, you know, maybe give it a little bit of a lighthearted twist. Um, use this time now when we're all on lockdown to get as much done as possible you know neaten up your linkedin profiles uh connect with the right people again model your linkedin profiles on mine if you want to um just kind of make sure that you're standing out and you're doing something different and it's and it's actually easy to do that on on linkedin these days
0: all right okay thank you so much for taking the time to have a quick chat with us that was very insightful and we'll be very excited to be sharing this with our goal coders vanessa
1: Awesome. So also just let them know if they want to ask questions. I'm pretty good on Twitter. So probably the best place to ask some questions. I've been answering a few questions today. And um, thank you ladies for inviting me. To
0: our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please feel free to engage with us on social media. Our handles are in the show notes below. And until next time, it's goodbye from me.